Episode number 179 of the Sane Asylum. I'm your host, Giuseppe. Those in the know, call me the G-Man. And what a night it's going to be tonight. Two high-intelligence, high-character gentlemen are on the show. My new One of my new roster of co-hosts, the brilliant young uh, white nationalist, uh, Zach from Logos Revealed. Zach, welcome. How are you? Hey, brother. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. And our honored guest, a man who wrote the best title ever for a book, in my opinion, Jews Are the Problem, Ayo Kamathi, social activist and architect. Ayo, how are you? Doing fantastic. Glad to be here. And I'm glad you're here as well, because you're going to tell us, start, start with the headline always as a former journalist, top of the fold. Tomorrow, there's a huge rally. I just put it up on the screen. Uh Protect the First Amendment rally, Monday, October 2nd, 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at the ADL headquarters, 1100 Connecticut Avenue Northwest, Washington, D.C., 20036. It's right by the subway station Farragut North. And uh, I've been seeing various uh, references, Io, like uh, the uh, 
nationalist, uh, socially active commentator Lucas Gage, I think, is planning on being there. He posted uh, up on his uh, Twitter stream today and put the flyer up. So how's it all going? What's, what are your thoughts the, the uh, evening before you're going to hold a very, very bold rally in front of the ADL? Well, I'm, I'm excited. My People ask me, how many people are going to show up? This is what I tell them. Kind of like when I, we were doing a thing with uh, Duke, like, I'm going to be there. So I don't know how many people are going to be there, but I'm going to be there. <laughs> so, That's awesome. <laughs> if it's a fight, and this is a good fight, I think it's time for this type of fight. Uh, it's time for somebody to let these people know, if you want to call them people, their behavior is not people like, look, everybody's not afraid of you, and you're not just going to get away with this evil that you're doing. Yeah. Uh, Destroying the First Amendment, nah, we coming to your house. Especially since they, you know, they attacked Dr. Cynthia McKinney. Ah, uh, nah, you can't do that. Yeah, she's a wonderful woman, a brilliant scholar, and, and courageous, because she was the only one, many listeners and viewers may know, the only one who didn't sign the pledge to Israel, and, and it sickens me to think that all those other traitors in the Senate and Congress have been bought so cheaply and sign a pr- pledge like that. So, Zach, welcome. It's an honor to have you as one of my new co-hosts, and uh, what are your thoughts on Io's amazing rally tomorrow? Well, I got to say, uh, like most of the stuff I see him doing, I, I am very excited. And I, I'm actually in the process. I'm about three quarters of the way through your book. And I'm, I'm really enjoying a lot of the concepts. A lot of the stuff uh, I already did know. But then mm-hmm. picking up other things from a different perspective, there are a couple things in there that are, are pretty interesting to me. And it's very uh, it's laid out very well. So I, I do appreciate the work. And I further appreciate you uh, going and, and leading something like this tomorrow. I think this is very important that we get out there and physically do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 part of, part of what happened with this, uh, was at some point we can talk about how, how, how this particular thing happened. But one thing I learned after January 6th, uh, when they were enforcing these injections, nobody wanted to come and demonstrate in DC. And I, we didn't understand at first. And then it dawned on us. Oh, a lot of people got locked up. They're afraid of coming in this territory. So we went out and did ours on uh, in Freedom Plaza right here in Washington, D.C., because we're here. And after we did that, we noticed it opened up the floodgates and more people started coming back to D.C. to demonstrate. So we said, OK, you know what? This time they're moving on on this First Amendment directly. We said, you know what? Let's just go ahead and be out front. Let's show people how it's done. And once people see how it's done, this can happen in every municipality where there's an ADL headquarters. Somebody needs to be knocking at their door saying, you're not going to end this First Amendment thing. That's not going to happen. You know, I, one of the brilliant insights of your book is how the, uh, the Talmudic parasites, known as, uh, as our dear friend Dave Gahari always calls them, uh, organized international jewelry, uh, how, how clever they are at using fear and intimidation and uh, they don't want to stand in front of you in a fair fight. They'd rather uh, sabotage you. And so you, you, you've dealt with this in your own personal career. I know that. And, and uh, all along the way. But 
what is it like now to be able to you know have risen from those dark days now to become a a well-known activist against the what uh, another dear friend of mine Andy Hitchcock calls the synagogue of Satan I mean it's really uh, you're you're out at the forefront of this especially as a black nationalist and hopefully you're you're inspiring a lot of not just black people but whites Mexicans everyone in this country that needs to wake up and understand that there's only one real enemy a shared enemy and that enemy is clearly delineated in Jews are the problem but what's it been like to to this journey for you to to come to the forefront of this you know it's uh it's one of those fights that if, if when you when you pick this fight and for me it started with trying to say i have to help my race survive the 21st century i, I knew that we were running into genocide i mean it's genocide every direction and i'll be honest with you I, I would have never predicted where i would be today because it was black and white when i started this that's what it was right once we learned about the Jew, because from a black perspective, they still white. It was still black and white. But I, then I said, wait a minute, this is a special group. They're a little bit different. But now, having seen, okay, they're not just a little bit different. This is the source of the problems. And now, having sat down and spent a lot of time, I mean, it took, I'm, I can say this with you guys. You guys appreciate this. To go from saying it's black and white saying i have to deal with this jew that's a huge step because we still have the issues as black people with black and white those are still there but for me to see it put my ego aside and say okay who will actually fight them and i had to do the research to say who will fight them and i saw it was (laughs) y'all it was a certain group of elemental white folks that are not cowards and it's not a large group but they're not cowards and I say, well, let me go find them because we're going to have to do this together because of how they have this thing situated. We're the best equipped to do it. It feels great because I know that I had to make huge adjustments in my personality. I'm very black and white. I'm very not a nice guy. I mean, I, I, I know how to be professional, but I'm not Mr. Nice Guy. Um, I was in the lead of the black and white thing. I still am to a large degree, but it's just turned a corner and I'm turning that corner with it wherever the war goes to me to save my people I'll go and fortunately I think for all of us involved the way the war is going in order to save black people I'm gonna end up saving black white Asian all of us together we don't have an option we have to do something about this Jew problem so it feels fantastic man (coughs) excuse me I just swallowed when I meant to breathe. Um, Zach, as a young guy who's recently awoken to the the real enemy, the uh, parasitic Talmudic Jew, I mean, we as white people, Io has mentioned it's a black and white problem. For us, it's it's the inverse of a white and black problem. And in my opinion, the, the enemy has been seeking to pit blacks against whites and whites against black at the working class level, at the young level at the uh, um, more entrenched level uh, of the various members of the two tribes for a long time. And so tell us about your awakening to see that it, w- it was more than just whites and blacks or whites and Mexicans or blacks and Asians. How did you come across to wake up to the idea of being a nationalist and uh, seeing who the real enemy, which is the international Jew? That's a good question. Um, you know, it was it was certainly... <laughs> I never had necessarily a, a, a group instinct or a very nationalist kind of a mindset uh, until 
I guess I started seeing things going so bad. And again, the, the COVID narrative and, and all this garbage that went on with this pandemic um, was very, it was very obvious that our, our government did not have the people's best mind our best interests at heart. And that kind of, I guess, built a nationalist fervor in me. Um, and then when you realize, you know, who controls that government and you start to learn the history and, and realize how persidious these people have been since the beginning of time to every civilization they've come across. And it doesn't matter what culture it is, what race it is, what what background these people have. These people just genuinely believe they're they're the greatest and no one else can can match them. Um, it, it gives you a, a little more of a sense of comfort knowing that other people being in the same boat as you, whether they be of a different nationality or a different background, um, they still recognize that there is one enemy that, and we don't have to, we don't have to love each other. We don't have to be best friends and be hugging it out or be living together in the same household. But we do have to understand that it is in our best interest for us to be working together against humanity's sole enemy. Absolutely. Wow, that's excellent. That's really inspiring. Now, Io, I'd like to get uh, first your comments on an observation you just made, and then Zach, which is, you said I'm going to put my ego aside, but, you know, to me, it's not just ego. It's a certain uh, growing into a man, no matter what color your skin is or what your, your culture is, that you at some point you have to grow up and understand that your initial um, – uh, your initial view of the world is is, is kind of kind of limited and very basic. And as you grow and mature, you develop a more nuanced view and and experience and and reading and intellect. You start to see. Well, hold on. This is oh maybe we're being played here. The black versus white, white versus black, yada yada. And and so do you see that it's not just ego but it, it also a certain level of maturity that you get on your path to becoming an actual you know mature man you know i agree with the basic assessment you made there for uh, i agree with that just as a general construct for myself i would say it, it's more ego in this sense um what happens is you develop a belief system and i would say from where we were coming from when I was growing up in the 90s and two, early 2000s, I was in the right space for that time. And the reason I say that, uh-huh. there, there was not a open extermination of the white race where there's no way for anybody white to deny it at that time. And under those circumstances, the hostility was coming at black people. I mean, we, we were facing it directly. What, what you're facing today, the way you're facing it. I've never I mean, sure, the Bolshevik Revolution, as we learned about the past, but like in modern times, you weren't facing it. So I saw what was there. For me, it's the ego part. The reason I say that is because when things change. Only mature people and people who are not stuck in their ego can know that they said something yesterday, but now something is adjusted. And now you have to be mature enough and you have to have enough sense to put your ego aside to say, wait Mm -hmm. a minute, now that the Jews are actively, openly exterminating the white race, do I, A, sit back and laugh and say, now you're getting what you were given to us, how does it feel now? Or Mm -hmm. do I say, wait a minute, how much have they been involved in this the entire time? And if they've been involved in this the entire time and they're doing this to them then, 
what is the consequence going to be of this? And when I did that and looked at it, what I realized is 400 years, we were the boogeyman, the black people. We were the boogeyman. Then on the drop of a dime, all of a sudden, it was a man with a towel around his head. Now, all of a sudden, bin Laden is a boogeyman. Right. And then with the snap of a finger, the man, Donald Trump, all of a sudden is the boogeyman. And then right behind it with another snap of the finger, oh, it's the white supremacist, the boogeyman. At some point, like you say, maturity, but also ego. You got to put it aside. Wait a minute. Someone's standing there and at any given moment snaps their finger and all of us go running to the new boogeyman. I'm not doing yeah. it anymore. Amen, man. Amen. So, Zach, as a young fella, incredibly bright young fella, uh, when, when did you realize that it wasn't just uh, uh, as simple as the mainstream media and especially the social media often portray this like a- angry white man does this to innocent black, angry black does this to innocent white? I mean, we're buffeted with those uh, posts on Twitter literally thousands of times every day if you followed enough sites right so it's active provocate 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 provocation there you go provocation of uh trying to incite uh racial tension and ultimately a hot civil war by the jew so when did you wake up to see beyond that zach that actually took a while so you know um, much of my research, uh, much like yours, Zaya, was looking into the Russian Revolution, uh, seeing how the Jews acted there uh, under the guise of communism or whatever political ideology they decided to call it. Uh, in my eyes, it's quite literally the Talmud put into political doctrine. But, you know, you, you analyze that time period and you realize infighting and um, working one group against another group is, is what the Jews do naturally and before looking at race they they did this with class right it was it was the the upper class they they pulled the lower class against the upper class to get them to revolt against them right now race has just become an easier tactic it's easier to point at one minority group and say hey you have been done this by them and it's it's so much it, the identity politics become much easier meanwhile in a civilization like that you really had to convince these lower class people that the upper class people didn't have your best interest at heart. Now it's really easy to do that because you just point to the skin color and go, well, those people, they don't have your best interest at heart because they look different than you. And the, the Jew has realized that this tactic is much easier than actually looking for ideological principles and more so actually just like lo- literally looking at skin color or if you're a homosexual or not. Uh, really good point. Really great point. You know what? Let me play a clip. I think this will be very, uh, very apropos to everything we're discussing about how we all kind of woke up. Sam, producer Sam, could you cue up clip number 15? This is a, a short clip, but it's really, really compelling. It's called The Grim Hustle. And this uh, older uh, poet or, or or insightful gentleman, gentleman talks about how we, by, by the synagogue of Satan, Satan, by these Talmudic parasites, we're literally being played and used from cradle to grave. So we'll check out the grim hustle, and then we'll get your thoughts. The following ten insights will summarize your life. I will speak slowly, so your mind and your soul will understand. Number one, you were born in a cold prison. It is your country, your state. Number two, 
you have to pay for the prison stay. They call the prison fee taxes. Number three, you have no say what will be done with the money, but you have to pay. Number four, to pay the money, you have to work. The prison encourages you to buy new shiny products, so you feel better about your poor existence. Number five, you are not allowed to exit the prison and live on your own. They will hunt you and make you pay. Number six, only a few prisoners have walked far enough to see the prison wall. Number seven, the prison gives you news and entertainment so that you don't discover the prison walls. Number eight, the prison does not allow strong family bonds or strong brotherhood unless you are a part of the group that is running the prison. Number nine, the prison you live in wants you weak, sick, and divided because weak prisoners can't climb the walls. And most important, number 10, the prison is mostly run by other prisoners. It will collapse if enough prisoners will wake up. Go your way, Bratan. Reunite with others. Find the walls. Climb the walls. Every fucking day. This is the Grim Hustle. Be honorable. There you go. How about that? I owe the Grim Hustle. Really, that's what the, the international Jew is doing to all of us. Yeah, I like that. I saw that about a week ago or two, and uh, I liked it. I mean, it's real. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Zach, any thoughts on the Grim Hustle? It rings true. <laughs> yeah, it certainly does. So, Io, getting back to this amazing event, let me put that up on the screen again. The uh, Protect the First Amendment rally. So did you have to get any permits? Are you going to be on public property, or how are you protecting yourself from uh, getting pinched? Yeah, I, actually, I did. I said, you know what, let's go out. I told D.C. we were doing it. Police said no problem. Uh, they gave us the permit. And then I was really, I was really happy to hear this. I got a cold call, didn't recognize the number. Some say, pick it up. I picked it up. Uh, they have different groups in uh, D.C. police, and some of them work with Homeland Security to make sure that things are done, I guess, since September 11th. And I got a cold call. Hey, look, we saw this flyer out there. They didn't know that we had already gotten the uh, permit. They said, we saw this cold flyer. We saw the number on here. I'm just checking to make sure everything's good. I talked to her. She said, look, I'm the person in charge. How many people are coming? I said, I don't know. She said, well, it doesn't matter. However many people come, we'll handle it. We'll send as many officers as you need. You got my number. If anybody comes to try to disrupt it or be disruptive, give me a call or let our officers know. We're going to let them know that you're going to be there. There will be no counter demonstrations or things that get out of hand. Um, you know, we, we will take care of all of that. You just stay in touch with us. I say, hey, I like this. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> not, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and what I really liked, it was a cold call. So I, I didn't even... They just must have gotten a flyer from someone else. So I'm sure they're trying to make sure that things stay, you know, going easy. And we're being uh, in Northwest. So that's, 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 you know, that's where a little money is downtown. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they said, do whatever you need to do. They even asked, do you need us to shut down the street? 
I said, well, as far as I know right now, I don't think it'll be that many people. We have to shut the street down. But if it does happen, she said, don't worry about it. Let us know. We'll do whatever we have to do. Well, that's really encouraging. Wow. I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. And um, so uh, have you uh, got any plans to live stream it or anything? You know, we do have people coming to, that said they're going to come film. And we have people that might live stream it. But usually what happens, quite frankly, with me, Whenever I'm live streaming anywhere, they usually just shut it down. Oh, sure, so of course. I would say anybody that wants to come out, we love to have you there, white, black, whoever comes down. As long as you're not coming down there to tell us that you don't want the ADL to be banned. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Come on out and live stream it. That way, if it's going on multiple platforms, we have no problem. We want this word to get out there, this message to get out there. Uh, it's going to be bold. It's going to be very direct. It's not the smiling, happy guy. We're going to talk about exactly what's happening. We're going to talk about the street, the Jews, the ADL, their Jews, what they're doing to the First Amendment. Come on out. You're going to like this. You're going to enjoy it. And Zach, you, you, your research must have uh, uncovered the true story of Leo Frank. Do you want to let all the listeners know wh- why the very idea that the ADL exists and what they're championing is so disgustingly vile and evil, but rings true for a Jew. Uh, what, what is the ADL about, Zach? Uh, well, this, this is an interesting one, and it's, um, it's actually very relevant to uh, specifically when we talk about racial tension. Um, it was founded on the precipice of defending a Jew who actually raped and murdered a 13-year-old white girl and tried to blame it on, on two black men. I believe it was two. Um, so again, the Jew, as, as usual, fomenting the racial strife, uh, trying to pit us against each other so that he can slip away like the little lizard he is. Um, unfortunately, it did not end well for him. He got found out. Um, and hopefully, uh, hopefully the ADL will get found out, too. That's great. And Io, what's amazing to me about the uh, the uh, perfidy of the Jew is how much they whine about what happened to Leo Franks. But when he was convicted and and, and found guilty by a court, I mean, uh, uh, a jury of his so-called peers, two or three on the jury were actually Jews. And the evidence was so compelling. They found him guilty. If if you know if a, if a Jew would have kvetched on that jury, it would have been a hung trial. But he was found guilty. And then and then I what happened uh, once he was found guilty? Once he was guilty, uh, the the ADL went to and they, they pressured and the Burton Abriff and ADL pressured. They, first of all, they uh, they they that's how ADL was established. Right. So they started the ADL out of Burton Abriff. And then he was found guilty, and they put so much pressure on the governor that he commuted his death sentence because he was found guilty, got the death sentence. But they went and put pressure on the governor, and he said no longer will he get death. And they were moving in the direction of actually taking him out of jail and probably trying to try the black man and convict him. They were moving in that direction, and then those white guys said, nope. We said that if you rape and murder one of our children, you have to die. And you're going to either do it through the court or we're going to do it. And so they organized, they found him, they took him to a predetermined location and they hung him. And it was a good hanging, a really good hanging. Absolutely. A hundred percent justified. And we can all agree. And I would think that uh, every listener except the uh, little parasites in Tel Aviv would agree that uh, pedophilia is the ultimate crime that only sentences death. 
what you do to a, a young child in the Talmud, the, the vile Jew says it's okay for a rabbi or a Jewish male to fornicate or sodomize a three-year-old boy or girl because it's just like giving them a little poke. Oy vey, it's just like a poke in the eye. They'll recover. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't work that way. In fact, what yeah. it does do is it damages them for life and it leads them to then become a, a parasitic grooming homosexual of some kind or some form of deviant. That's that's how shattered the spirit is and that's how evil the Talmudic Jew is. And and so, you know, it's amazing to me that this is still going on to this day. And if you look at that thing, I don't know what uh, uh, Jonathan Greenblatt is, but he certainly doesn't seem like a human male to me. I mean, he, he looks like uh, he, he's the living embodiment of that movie Nosferatu, where it's like a, a ghoulish vampire, which uh, from my research tells me that was based on uh, the the idea of what the Jews had been doing to the Europeans for the last several hundred years as far as stealing the children, draining the blood, uh, sacrificing the children. I mean, it's it's weird that the average normie of today is, is so it's oh it's all about the feels it's all about the feels instead of looking at actual history and finding a spine and becoming uh, growing out of their cowardice to take it to this weird satanic death cult that has been doing this literally for millennia. I mean, it's like it's they get run off right 109 countries and maybe some people believe like it's over a thousand if you look at city states before that have run them out once they're figured out what they're doing but instead now we see somewhere between 400,000 and a million children a million innocent children in the United States disappear annually i mean they're going somewhere right and it's it's the same thing just a, a widespread um because organ trafficking, because sex slavery are big business, big profits for the Jew, and so um, I think that uh, I think that um, um, I think that that's wrong. And 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 God bless you, Io, for setting up this uh, this this rally. Because it's funny. Because I don't I don't I don't trust Elon Musk. To be honest, we're coming up to the break. I'm kind of padding a little bit. And after the break, I want to get get your amazing insights in your book about the uh, the uh, movie that was developed to spe- specifically. T- we'll tease it. Take off the pressure off of uh, B'nai B'rith and the ADL and and Jews of the day for their raping and all that. But we'll we'll do it. Uh, we'll do it uh, after this break. So stay tuned. In the second half, hour one, insane asylum. Two. Courageous individuals, Zach and I. Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you, and your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. 
We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Please call 855-253-3748. 855-THE-NUMBER-2. Keep it today. Have you been looking for a trusted long-term storable food company? We have a solution for you. Simply Clean Foods is dedicated to providing the best quality food you can buy next to fresh from a farmer's market. Our line of resealable fruits, vegetables, and meats are suitable for everyday use, and you won't have to worry about throwing away valuable groceries ever again. Our food is completely GMO-free, and our stringent quality controls, plus testing for heavy metals, makes us unique in the storable foods market. Simply Clean Foods' primary focus is to bring clean food to people all around the world and change the way we look at freeze-dried food in our daily cooking. When you purchase from Simply Clean Foods, not only will you be receiving high-quality food, but you will also be supporting veterans in need across the country and those who are affected by natural disasters. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on Long-Term Food Storage in the rotating sponsors' banners to support RBN. Simply Clean Foods. Do it today. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com. Or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113. Drinksupertea.com. I've been selling my soul, working all day. Overtime hours so cocks can chew my pay. Sitting out here and have my wealth taxed away. Watching the school turn my kids gay. It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to. For people like me who name the Jew. Wish Normies would wake up and see that it's true. With the Yids, with the Yids living in the Jew world. Welcome back to, and again, if you can at all, 
If you can afford it, support republicbroadcasting.org. Go to the website, donate, maybe buy a fine product. And also, for the first time, uh, Speak Free Radio is running a, a fall fundraising drive. So if you go to speakfreeradio.com and there's a donate button, if you can afford to support both these fine radio stations, uh, international, worldwide networks, uh, they can use your help. All right, so welcome back. So, Io, we teased it. So, in your book, which I'm holding up on the screen, Jews Are the Problem, which I have read several times, it's excellent work, and uh, a great uh, primer for anyone who wants to understand the real enemy of, of the decent people of the entire planet. But it's particularly in, uh, evil what they did once Leo Frank was received justice, rope, rope therapy justice, and then they, the Jew who had... You know, even though Thomas Edison didn't want them using his miraculous new motion picture technology, they managed to uh, buy bootleg copies and create a little porno industry where you'd put a nickel in in various parlors and crank to see porn, which is just pathetic. And look what it's turned into today. Jew-controlled porn industry is a billion-dollar industry. But uh, what did they do, Io, as far as that famous movie of the early 20th century? They did uh, Birth of a Nation. And I tell you what's interesting, if anybody chooses to look at it, it's very interesting, good information. I didn't even know this part of it. And uh, Leo Frank got off, I mean, uh, got convicted in 1913. And in 1914, after 1913, when they created the ADL, one of the first things the ADL did was get into censorship. They actually, like, this is actually documented. It's, it's a video called Black Apocalypse. The Hebrew Israelites did it. Very good information. Very, very, very sound documentation. In 1914, they and it, it actually started in one of the places they started was in the state of Maryland. And they said, we want censorship. They actually created these committees with the state to be able to censor what types of movies could and could not be made. And in the same process of doing that, in the very next year, they helped finance and put out and distribute uh, the first blockbuster million dollar making film in the history of this country, Birth of a Nation, it was simply a movie that took the story of Leo Frank, put it into a movie format. Uh, they did it after a book called The Klansman. And they basically showed a, a little girl that looked just like Mary Fagan. I mean, she's a lookalike if you ever saw the movie. So that's right in the frame of in the mindset of the people of the South. And instead of the Jew being the one that rapes her murderer, they send a group of black people, black men, white men painted in blackface, where we get the blackface, and try to kill her. And it just set off anger and rage. It revitalized the Ku Klux Klan. And lynchings from 1950 to the, like, the 1960s became a part of black American uh, reality and history because the Jew had used movies and theater to implant the notion that the Jeffrey Epstein slash Leo Frank murder and rape of white women was happening in America, but not happening from Jews. Instead, it was happening from black people. So they weren't able to blame James Connolly, who was the black man that they wanted to blame with Leo Frank. They weren't able to get that done. But they were able to get it done on the larger basis and take the crimes that Jews have been committing and are still committing. That's why we say Jeffrey Epstein. The Jews are still doing the same rape and murder and torture and organ trafficking that they were doing back then, but just on a much more sophisticated level. And last thing I'll say about this, my issue of concern, that's why I think it's so important that we talk. I can see the forest for the trees. Even though it sounds impossible, 
I know what I'm about to say sounds impossible, but I want everybody to hear this. Even though we're having this conversation and we know that the Jews are responsible for the jab. They're responsible for the pornography industry. They're uh, uh, the open borders for the economy crash, for the war with Russia. Zelensky. I mean, we know these things. Newland. Right. The Jew is going to find a way to try to turn it and somehow either say it was black people's fault or white people's fault or find some way to go out here with media and get you to be the problem and to get us to be the problem so that we can fight each other and they can lay back and watch us kill each other. They're going to do it. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I know they're going to do it because they always do it. That's a great observation. Zach, uh, as co-host, do you have any questions or topics you'd like to bring up to discuss with Io? Uh, honestly, just in regards to the, this event tomorrow, uh, I'm very curious. Are you expecting, I know you don't have like a, a number, but are you expecting a, a turnout if people told you they're interested in coming to join you? You know, it's difficult because we did it with such short notice. Um, but what happened was, Cynthia McKinney, you know, we were supposed to be doing, we, we actually we did it. We did the discussion with David Duke. And it'll be the first time this ever been done public, blah, blah, blah. We excited. And she put out a tweet on Twitter. And in a few hours, she got 1.7 million views. So it got so big that Twitter froze it so that, you know, it wouldn't go around. And they shadow banned it. And when we did the event, even though uh, Duke wasn't there, but there were so many people trying to watch it that it was huge. So the Jews were so upset with Dr. Cynthia McKinney. All she did was say a tweet saying, hey, I know what I'm going to be watching at 6 p.m. They started doing all kind of articles on her across the Internet, blaming her for the fact that me and David Duke were about to have a discussion, saying that she was the one that just attacking her, basically. And so when that happened, and then I saw what was happening with Elon Musk, because that was on a Monday, by Friday, Elon Musk was getting called from uh, Israel, Netanyahu, and he's flying to America to meet with Elon Musk. And I'm like, hold up, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I don't know what the direct impact of our discussion with me and David do. What I do know, 1.7 million people, it would have been 6 or 7 million if they hadn't shut it down. Right. Means that there's a huge population of people that want to hear what can be done about the Jew that we don't have access to because it's blocked in ways that we probably don't even understand or know. And it got through the cracks on this one because she's so popular and it got through the cracks. So now we know people want to hear this. And now they're saying this is a problem. So we had some impact. And for me, for the president of a nation, not just any nation, the enemy nation, the, the, the hostile nation to the United States of America, the one leading this, really, the this is Western Israel now, this is the nation leading this nation right. to attacking yeah. it. For him to want to fly over to essentially dictate to a private American citizen with a company what you should and shouldn't do about people telling the truth about what Jews are doing, to me that's significant. And so I said, you know what? I'm not the one to back away. So the Jews don't want us to be able to have the dialogue. They didn't they get rid of uh, Dave's. They got rid of Dave's Streamyard. They they shut it down live. We were all in there because I I couldn't watch it for the first hour. I kept trying, and like you said, it was so overwhelmed. I finally got in for hour two, and then uh, 
they had sabotaged Dave Duke's uh, David Doctor David Duke's uh, internet connection. So you know he is not a technical savvy. He's like classic boomer tech guy that they make fun of. But he is good enough, and he always does. He's been doing a show with Rents, and he's been doing the Dave and Duke Call-In Show, which is on uh, Sundays uh, noon to two Eastern on Speak Free Radio. And uh, he couldn't get even get on the internet that day, so they went out of their way to sabotage it and then we were in there talking both zach and i had popped in at the end to ask questions and all of a sudden dave gahari disappears his tech guy disappears and and they had both their accounts immediately canceled by Streamyard, which is the streaming platform that we use for a lot a lot of our shows and um and it took them days to track down a manager, and then and then all of a sudden they apologized and said, "Oh yeah, it wasn't. We shouldn't have done that, right?" But guess who, guess who got that done? The uh, parasites in Tel Aviv got that done. So now let me ask you: You say that did you actually get that information from them, or no? We just know from the logic of what happened. Oh no, no, uh, D- Dave Gahari shared shared the entire. Uh, 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 chat stream conversations with various operatives all the way up to the manager so it's completely true they shut it down live and and they they use the original uh excuse that it's against community standards so they literally destroyed his account blew his account up live during the show but once something's streaming the people who were still in the stream yard like us we could communicate but like hey where did dave go where did his tech guy go and, and uh, so yeah no dave 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 gahari keeps records of everything and he, he takes screen copies of everything i've seen the whole thing that was absolutely real everything so, that was intentionally so, sabotaged wow. wait a minute i just need to know because i want to be clear on this because I'm, I'm guessing but are you saying tel aviv or are you just saying jews because they represent tel aviv are you saying literally it came from israel saying hey they gotta shut this down Oh, oh, I, I'm speculating because everybody talks about Unit 8200 8, and all their phenomenal hacking skills. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's Jews. I mean, it could have been American right. Jews, too, of course. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay, okay. So, basically, basically what we know is the Jews got in and said, this has got to go down. Wow. But see, the, 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 this is why a reason I want to do this. Good. When, when you're over the target, then hit. I don't, I don't see you don't, don't don't run. And so I wanted to do something. They attacked Dr. Cynthia McKinney. I don't like that. That's my sister. That's big sis. And I like the fact that they flew over here to tell Elon Musk this because I'm like everybody else. We have our skepticisms about Elon Musk. But I'll say this. He strikes me as one of those rich, kind of arrogant, kind of white guys. that's like you're not going to tell me what to do. And I like that. We need some arrogant people with some resources and finally just says, look. Enough is enough. Yeah. So I don't know for sure, but it seems to me like he's the one that said, you're not going to tell me what I can and can't do. I like the fact he didn't do a bunch of backpedaling when I saw him talking to Netanyahu. Netanyahu's talking to him, telling him, hey, we got to stop anti-Semitism. He said, well, I don't like anti-Semitism. I don't like anti-anybody. Not just anti-Semitism. I don't like any. So it's like he's basically saying, no, I'm not your puppet. I'm not your boy. At least that's what he did then. And as far as I'm concerned. I'll take what I can get right now. Somebody's uh, standing up against them, and whoever it is for the moment, as long as they're standing up, it's good. And then whoever, you know, if they fold later, then we just move on. But we keep pushing. But I like that. I agree. I totally agree. Although, yeah, I'm with you, man. I have serious doubts about Elon and and the whole, if you read the protocols, which I know we all have, the whole idea of uh, we will control both sides of the narrative. 
kept keeps popping in my mind every time I watch Elon Musk, Musk operating. Zach, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm I'm quite skeptical myself in regards to Elon Musk because uh, he hasn't taken a strong stance uh, where where it might be needed, but at the same time, again, he hasn't uh, essentially bowed down either. Uh, he seems to be playing the fence, which makes it makes him more skeptical. You know, it, it kind of creates more questions in your head. It's like, is he is he doing that because he's trying to keep us on his good side? Is he trying to keep the Jews on his good side? Who is he? What camp is he is he fighting for? And it's very hard to figure that out. Uh, I am definitely super skeptical, uh, but I will agree when we watch the uh, the way he handled Netanyahu. Um, I mean, he, he didn't he didn't bow down. So that that is a good step. And hey, it's I didn't think of this to bring it up as a as a um, as a as a talking point, but it I found it personally hilarious. Did you see when Netanyahu was meeting with uh, with uh, brain dead Biden and and they're saying some point like, oh, well, our two nations are are, uh, you know, help each other. So I'm paraphrasing this all. But then Biden's like nods and makes the sign of the cross in front of a of a Talmud Jew. <laughs> that was hilarious. I saw that. And, and, and uh, I mean, so anyway, that leads me up to let's play a clip because Iowa, I think your efforts, our efforts are making a dent. I'm hearing more and more run-of-the-mill people start to put out little TikTok videos, put out little, and they get it. Yeah, the people you don't think get it. Sam, if you could cue up clip number eight. This is a very, very clever little clip from a, a just a, a, a housewife somewhere in America. But check this out. She gets it. Okay, it's buffering. All right. Well, that was the weirdest trip to the nail salon I've had in a long time. There was these girls beside me just talking really, really loud. I try not to listen to other people's conversation, but they were talking so loud, it was like they wanted you to hear. So they live in a mobile home park, and they were talking about this family where there's a husband and a wife, and the wife passes away from, like, cancer, and the husband then marries the babysitter. It's later found that he was taking showers with his daughter when she was much too old. Um, There's an uncle that's sleeping with his niece, a brother who is banging his dead brother's widow while having an affair with her sister and simultaneously knocking up a stripper. Except here's the kicker. This family didn't live in the mobile home park. They live at the White House. This is the first family they were talking about, the Bidens, and that's who's running our country. There you go. I thought that was very clever and very well done, and, and all true. As if you look into Biden, so Ohio, that ties into your earlier question: What are they going to do? To uh, they're going to try and pit. You know what they're going to do? I, I, I'd be willing to, if any uh, uh, casino would take this bet. I'd be willing to bet. that the deep state is going to put a bullet in Joe Biden's head and blame some Nazi swastika tattooed white nationalist that a good old boy did it. Oh, see, blame all the white nationalists. So uh, uh, we got to spread the word far and wide that nobody's nobody in the nationalist movement has any interest in destroying Joe Biden because he's doing a great job himself. So your thoughts, Io and then Zach. 
Yeah, I, I think what's what's good is what we're doing here is important. If we can actually do it on a broader scale and getting the white people who understand that Jews are the problem and that they have proxies and the black people that understand that Jews are the problem and they have proxies to have these kind of dialogues and boldly directly go at pointing at the Jews, then it really doesn't matter what they do because we'll have an, uh, a group that is already prepared for any type of shenanigans they come up with. We'll constantly be telling people, let's beware. We'll be in touch with one another. And if there's a real conflict between black people and white people that we do need to navigate before we go out there and jump in it, we'll call each other. I'll call up and say, Zach, do you know anybody in that region? This is a problem that we have What's going on with it. You call Ayo. Do you know these people? It's a black white thing going up. Can you help us navigate that? And we'll see if we can do that so that we don't get off track. We know that there's a main problem and we got to zero in on it and we got to do something about it. Well said. Zach, your thoughts. Uh, I, I agree with that assessment. Um, <clears throat> you know, essentially, again, we, we know Jews like, <clears throat> excuse me, we know Jews like to play both sides of the narrative. So uh, the, I think the biggest problem is we have no public mass narrative against them, right? Like, w- truth, our truth is uh, we have a narrative. It's just not out there. It's not visible yet. So if we can grow this narrative and instead of, them being able to control this bullshit uh, left-right narrative of Democrat-Republican garbage that they're keeping everybody distracted with, um, the the narrative will end up becoming, as public discussion, uh, you're either for the Jews or you're not for the Jews. It's one or the other. And again, when, when people have to do even an inkling of research, it's going to be very clear what group they should be backing. Um, if you have any kind of moral fabric in your being whatsoever... Uh, so it's just a matter of us gaining that that narrative and expanding that so that it's broadband. Um, and I, I do think doing that with collective groups is important. Again, when we when we look at um, we look at the Muslims, we look at whites, we look at blacks, we look at Mexicans, we look at Chinese. All these different groups, if all of them have that small little tangent that gets it, and they and all those little tangents combine into one, it's very hard to combat that narrative. Let me tell you what I love about what he just said. I got to comment on this. He just talked about the very psychology that went into why I named the book what I named it. The objective of naming the book Jews are the problem is to prevent those small little groups that we have that get it. But that always talk in these, uh, you know, these communist thing and this, you know, Bolshevik. No, no, no. Let, Let us find a way you can't escape the truth. And it forces people that Jews are the problem. Yes. And then push forward with that narrative. And like he says, now we have the language in a book format and even the, the title, the word format, Jews are the problem. It's very direct. It's, you can't escape that. And like he said, it only leaves you two choices. Once Jews are the problem, that's four words. Yep. You either with the Jews you with the people that's against what the Jews are doing. There's only two sides. That's where we need to put everything, and that's how we take control of the narrative. Like, so I'm just saying what he just said and he articulated is exactly the lines of demarcation that this war must take. We have to be definitive, and that's exactly why I named the book Choose Out a Problem. That's awesome. We're coming up to the top of the hour, so I want to make sure that we get 
both of your endeavors uh, a little bit of uh, promo. So first, Io, you you self-published version one, and you used to be able to go to JewsOfTheProblem.com, which is still active, but it takes you to MoneyTreePublishing.com to buy the book, and I urge everyone to buy this book. It's so well done, and and just uh, you should buy five and give them out as gifts. I mean, uh, the holidays are coming up. <laughs> I'm not joking. You should. And so, um, anything else, Io, that you want to promote? No, no. I'll. I'll uh, we got another hour. I'm good. Okay. And then Zach, tell everybody about your Odyssey channel and how they can uh, follow your exploits. Uh, it's logos revealed on everything. Uh, Gab is the best platform to kind of get everything that I'm doing up to date. Uh, I post pretty much everything I do on Gab, and then my actual physical content comes mostly from either Odyssey or Goyam TV. All right, that's awesome. And aren't you on BitChute too, Zach? I am on BitChute. I don't often promote it. Uh, it's okay. a, a little bit less content on there. Gotcha. Okay. And so a- as we approach the top of the hour, I would just want to put on uh, when, when there's still far too many normies who say, oh, oh, are you an anti-Semite? I'm purposely pronouncing that wrong. Uh, it's not Jews, is it? Well, you know what? Here's a list, and and this is uh, much is taken from Io's book and and other books like Reed Sainsbury's book. But this is what the Jew in the the two hundred years or so that that they have really had their uh, fingers in the United States and manipulating uh, the masses, communism. Marxism, Zionism, the Holocaust lie, call, uh, we call the Holocaust. They, they were, this drove 80 million white European brothers to kill each other in World War II, which was more appropriately a uh, Rothschild Banker War II. Usury hmm. banking with vulgar uh, theft and transferring billions with a B, maybe even trillions with a T, of hardworking monies. Uh, hardworking uh, citizens' money to Jewish coffers. The Holodomor, where they starved 11 million innocent, uh, decent uh, Ukrainian Christians. Uh, the Russian Revolution, the Bolshevik Revolution, which was a scam, and we're experiencing Bolshevik Revolution Part 2 right now. The African slave trade was controlled by the Jews, and, and, that, and people think it's whitey. No, it was Jewy. Feminism, the original feminism had some merit, like if a woman got divorced, she couldn't get a checking account or a mortgage. But after that, it was all Jew, Jew radical, uh, destroying the traditional values that this country was founded on. Open borders, mass migration, white replacement, gun control, critical race theory. The Jews did 9-11. The Jews attacked the U.S. liberty. Race mixing misogynation, the 1965 Immigration Act. Mass vaccination campaigns. COVID-19 was the Jubonic Jew jab, as I named it. Transgenderism. Henry Berger was the Jew who created that in 1920 uh, Weimar Republic. Uh, Pedophilia. It's in their Bible. It's in the Talmud. Three-year-old. You can tap a three-year-old if you're a rabbi, boy or girl. Child trafficking. Sodomy. Porn industry. They, they, They they were the money backing behind BLM and Antifa, Federal Reserve, organ trafficking, tech censorship, social media censorship, and I could go on, but I won't. So that's that's why Io wrote the book Jews Are the Problem, because guess what? Jews are the fucking problem. And so, um, geez, I didn't time that right. I was hoping to time that for the music coming up. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a great first hour. We're going to open up the phone lines. Here we go, in hour number two. So stay tuned, and we'll take your calls. Speak with Io.
gonna wait till the cows come home to get your new ease off drop and lift? What in the world is an ease off drop and lift? Our ease off is a new tool to increase production for your meat processing company that will get that whole hog or half a beef on or off your rail with our remote control. That sounds great, but can I afford it? Sure, and the ease off installs fast. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue, speed up your line, and increase profits. Okay, I'm convinced. Where can I get my ease off? Go to easeoff.com. That's E A Z E O F F.com. And hurry because we're offering free shipping for a limited time. Easeoff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows too. Ease off LLC 417-932-6419. You can't handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit republicbroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth.